this time on Holy Ghost Notes. I have so much I want to tell you. Man, this is so cool. Dun, dun, dun. Comes out of nowhere. That sounds kind of scammy. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'll see you later. (laughs) What's up, everybody? This is Tim and Matt, and you are listening to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. This is episode 54, and I'm pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a good one here. We were just talking in the inner circle, and we have uh, we have we have two good topics. We usually do. They usually come together in the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, you're responsible for these two. Well, I can't take all the credit because Nick it was Abbott is responsible Abbott. for one. So you're right. shout out to Nick for coming up with our faith topic today. Um, but uh, I yeah. think it's going to be a relatable one to a lot of you listening. So. Yeah, Absolutely. You, Nick. Yeah, it's an important topic. It's it's not some it's not something I would have thought about. Um, so it's cool that we have a community of people who are helping us think outside of our boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Because fifty four episodes in, it's like we talk about this with drumming. We run into you know problems with drum topics. Like, what are we going to talk about that we have not already addressed? Yeah. <laughs> drum topics are definitely tougher. Yeah. Than the faith topics. That's right. Yeah. They just are. And we go into like drum topics that aren't just your basic drum topics. They're usually applicable to other instruments and, uh, you know, it's it's more of a mental approach to drumming. Um, but uh, today we're actually going to simplify it a little bit. Um, <laughs> I said this in the inner circle uh, pre-roll, but uh, we're going to basically approach everything that we've talked about in the last two years and talk about some things that we think are the most important for everybody, no matter mm-hmm. what style you play, um, and basically focus on those most important elements. Um, so I'm going to list a bunch, and then we're going to do our best to kind of <laughs> break it down into the top five. Uh, it's really going to be dependent on who you are and, and what you like to do, but um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then our faith topic is intrusive thoughts. And I'm going to leave it at that because if I go too much deeper into that, I'm going to start the topic <laughs> itself. So we're going to end in the episode. Yeah. yeah, that's typically what happens. It's like so we're going to talk about this today, and ten minutes later, you're like, "Well, I guess we already talked, talked about, about it." it yeah. Then, so Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, you know? that's right. <laughs> we digress. Yeah, but uh, Matt, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and there's the segue, dude. If we did ads on this podcast, we would find fun ways to do that oh for sure Where it's just like you find a little you know some sort of segue to get yourself yeah. into it without it being awkward usually yeah. it is awkward anyway matt your teeth look um, really white today speaking of white teeth toothpaste <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't have any advertising though so as a listener yeah, no you don't have to worry about that you just have to worry about us being being dumb and silly and That's funny right. and then hopping right into like a really deep topic yeah uh, <laughs> like okay let's <laughs> yeah. talk about it comes out thoughts. of nowhere <laughs> yeah yeah yep so um anyway to answer your question i am doing well um it's my fault that we're recording this a little bit later in the day because farming mm. dun 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 and it's like with farming Hashtag you never farming. really know when you're going to be done and yeah. And the, the the problem with that is that when you have things on the schedule, um, those things get pushed back because there's so much that is required of you to farm any given day that you can't just put everything away right. and you can't just leave everything out. So like you have to finish what's being done 
before you can move on. Mm-hmm. And today I was realizing this. I'm like, man, it's it's really tough to have a schedule um, where other people are dependent on you being there Yeah. if you're going to farm. And if you do have those people, right, if you do have a schedule, it's like they have to be understanding and un- and just know that sometimes it's just going to be late. So oh, yeah. I appreciate you being flexible. You um, we were we were spraying uh, nitrogen. It's called side dressing. So what you're doing is you're going through your corn fields. The corn is about anywhere between 12 and 18 inches high already. Okay. Um, so we're going through the fields and we're basically dropping in uh, fluid you know, nitrogen in between the rows and hoping that it rains within the next two weeks. Mm. We have um, what's called a stabilizer that's mixed in with the nitrogen and it allows it to stay there and stay active until it rains and pushes everything down. Okay. So a little stressful. It's a little stressful because if we don't get rain in that two week period, you've just wasted (laughs) all the, you know, the nitrogen which you purchased and the Mm -hmm. time that, that you invested. So I saw an ad for these shoes that have spikes in them and you basically put them on and walk around your yard to aerate your yard. Is this mm. basically the very expensive uh, way of doing this? <laughs> like aerating your <laughs> that, farm? That sounds, uh, no, but that sounds kind of scammy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> unless unless the cleat studs are like, I don't know. They're, they were pretty long. I, they weren't okay. eight inches, but probably four four inches, five inches, well, something like that. Well, it wouldn't hurt, that's yeah. for sure. But uh, <laughs> the purpose of aeration is to create, you know, obviously air pockets in the soil, which is good, Yeah. right? If you have compaction, that's bad. Mm-hmm. That's bad for okay. many reasons. Um, the, the purpose of nitrogen in your soil is that your pH levels, NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, need to be in check. Mm-hmm. And if your nitrogen levels are low, think of nitrogen as your miracle grow. So you can okay. have corn growing, but it's like a boost. Right, right. It's like NOS. And so we <laughs> do this thing called side dressing. And if it rains, and when it rains, uh, we're praying for rain this week. Mm. Um, this episode comes out on Thursday. So we're hoping like Friday it's going to rain here in Pennsylvania. We need it. Um, we're not super dry, but like we're counting on rain based on the fact that we just side dressed. Mm, so okay. got it all done. I have I have probably 30 acres in corn this year. Um, and I love working with my dad. It's the best part of what I do. I get to, I get to work with him. I I don't know how to do everything yet because I just bought the farm two years ago or Mm -hmm. going on three years. And so he's there to be like, actually, you need to drive in this row, not in this one. You're going to run down corn or like, do you see how I have this hitch chained? That's in case this thing comes off. There's 350 gallons of nitrogen at whatever, 10 pounds a gallon flying down the highway and it's not attached to your tractor anymore. So yeah. like all these little things, you know, like if you work with your dad in any capacity, um, they're just, he's just so, your dad I'm sure is the same way, like just full of of wisdom. Mm. And we're blessed to be able to have, you know, a relationship with our dads and our moms and our siblings that, that we can learn that yeah. kind of thing from. Um, so that's farming for me and that's what I was doing today. More, ex- way more exciting than that for those <laughs> yeah, of you listening, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> unless you're like the millennial farmer, you know, audience, that might have been interesting to you. But um, I was, I was asked to be in a movie. Yeah, that's I was asked to play drums so in a cool. movie. So there's an app called Jam Card. Have you heard of Jam Card? No, I haven't. Okay, J A M M C A R D. Oh, this is awesome! I'm excited to tell you about this. 
So Jam Card is basically LinkedIn for musicians. Okay. Okay. So it's a lot of musicians uh, that have done huge things or average things or not not too much, and they're saying, "Hey, I'm available for work." Mm-hmm. There's a booking feature on it, which I haven't even I haven't even activated, but it's a nice way to connect with other people in the industry who you would never uh, be that close to, you know, like whether you're connecting or not, there's just not all that many people on it. Yeah, sure. I don't know how many thousand, but like it's, it's obviously not an Instagram size. Right. right. So everyone that's on there is doing somewhat similar thing to you, you know, Mm -hmm. they're in the industry. Sure. So anyway, I signed up for this. I, I, um, and I got a call from one of the guys, I think he actually started it. Elmo is his name. And he said, Hey, we need to talk. And I, um, I, actually he was texting me and, I, and he said, can I call you? I need to actually talk to you about this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so he, he calls me. He's like, so I have a friend. Um, his name is Evan Bogart and he is a music producer. And, um, I didn't tell you this, but I sent a bunch of names over to him. He was asking for a drummer for a movie that him and his brothers are putting together. Two of his, his two brothers are in the movie industry. Mm-hmm. Their dad was Neil Bogart, who started Casablanca Records, who founded Kiss. Wow. And uh, so he's explaining all this, you know. Uh, this is Elmo from Jam Car, by the way. And mm-hmm. so he said, I, I sent Evan a bunch of drummers, and Evan came back and said, we want Matt. So I'm calling you to say, do you want it? Like, <laughs> I'll give your phone number to Evan, and he'll call you. And yeah. I don't know anything else. Like, I don't know what the movie's called. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. So I got a call from... Uh, from Evan and I was outside in my yard um, and I'll never forget him saying hey so um, we need a drummer a really good drummer who's also willing to wear face paint (laughs) (laughs) oh boy (laughs) right twist (laughs) yeah and he goes do you want to be Peter Chris in a movie (laughs) And I was like, well, this is a phone call I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said, full-blown Peter Chris of Kiss in a movie. And he said, full-blown Peter Chris of Kiss in a movie. Yeah. So over the next, I don't know, 20 minutes, he laid out like the, you know, the premise for this movie and um, talked to his brother a couple days later. And last week I was in Jersey shooting the movie. Crazy. <laughs> that's how it happens in the industry guys <laughs> I mean seriously it, it was like the quickest um, form of text to action I've, I've ever had like wow. usually it's it's weeks or months or years in the making you know mm-hmm. look at my band for instance but I didn't audition I, I mean I guess in a sense I did by Elmo sending a bunch of my videos and pictures but right um, it was so great man it, it was so great, and I could talk a lot about it, and I, I won't go into too much detail, but I was I was very, very impressed with the caliber of people that I worked with, mm-hmm. the actors and actresses, and the, the, you know, the PAs, all the way down to, like, the girl who was in charge of making sure that you were wearing your mask, mm. you know? Like, yeah. the COVID team. Everybody was so good, wow. and I realized some of that is because the budget was healthy and... Mm-hmm. Like they had some money to throw around and they made sure everyone knew what their job was. Yeah. And was doing that job really well. Yeah. Um, 
the movie's called Spitting Do- uh, uh, Spitting Spitting Gold. Spitting Gold. Spinning Gold. I have to get it right. Edit. The movie is called Spinning Gold. <laughs> and um, it has a bunch of famous people in it that I didn't know were going to be there. And I, I'm literally up there playing drums and I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing like, oh, there's a dude from Sopranos and like, oh, there's the guy from Harry Potter and oh, there's the guy from SNL. Mm. You know, there's the girl from Mad Men and Gone Baby Gone and like right. they're watching us because we are Kiss. Right. You yeah. know, yep. <laughs> it's like and they're not just watching us as spectators, like they're casted to watch us yeah, and acting. engage with us. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So Did hopefully you have it'll be to... out later this year or next year and that's, that's so really cool. all I know. Did you have to practice like kiss songs in advance for this? Yes. A lot. Yeah. I practiced for I practiced for eight days, um, <clears throat> probably about an hour and a half a day. Okay. And obviously kiss songs aren't extremely technical. No. Um, but they're challenging in their own right and mm-hmm. just like figuring out how Peter Chris played. Like right. when he plays, he's up here. Yep. His symbols his symbols are real high. And I, I knew that the tech would be setting the kit up like his. Like his kit, yeah. Like his kit, which which it was. It was like eight inch tom, ten inch tom. Or no, it was it was it was eight inch tom, twelve inch, thirteen inch, fourteen inch, sixteen inch, eighteen inch. <laughs> crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, and just this this huge kick drum, cymbals were slanted and just all over wow. the place. And yeah. I was full-blown makeup, wardrobe, hair. I mean, I was Peter Chris. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it actually wasn't that hard when I got there and started playing rock and roll all night to, like, feel like him. Like, I, I mm-hmm. felt like I was playing like him. Right, yeah. That's so cool. Man, you were sending me some pictures, and I was, like, half laughing – because it was hysterical just seeing you and Peter Chris like makeup <laughs> and spandex, but uh, <laughs> but at the same time I was like, man, this is so cool! Like this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> oh man, I have so much I want to tell you. I mean, I I might just like trickle that out over the next couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. And then when the movie comes out, we should just do like a full blown watch party. spinning gold premiere. <laughs> yeah. You know. that's so cool man i'm so happy that you got to do that and uh thank you what a what a what an experience and especially like like we're like covid starting to wind down things are like starting to get back to normal what a way to like get back into the groove (laughs) you know right they started shooting june 1st and they'll be done june 24th um they had shot most of the movie before covid that's crazy so like they have three weeks Mm mm-hmm to get it done complete like you know the rest of the yeah. shots insane and um i was just man i still kind of can't believe it it happened and i learned a lot um i actually learned a lot about drumming and performing by being around an industry like that where you don't have somebody holding your hand mm-hmm. like they definitely took a little bit of a risk on me and and also some of the other musicians who were playing with me because we weren't really told what was going to happen. Like, I mean, there was a time when there were a couple of times when like, we weren't even told the song we were going to play and they're just like, all right, play back fire in the hole. Cause there's a bunch of pyro and stuff and click comes on and we hear it and you have to, you know, identify as quickly as you can, what song it is. And then you're in, (laughs) but like the movie industry, they're not thinking about like, 
you know, is the musician sure the aware of, <laughs> yeah, it's like they're concerned about the shot mm-hmm. and they're assuming that everybody's playing at a level that, you know, you'll, you like, you'll catch up, yeah. you'll figure it out. Yeah. And I, I kind of enjoyed that challenge. It's nothing like the music industry that I'm used to, which yeah. like everything's really regimented and everything's mm-hmm. really laid out. It's all prepared. <laughs> it's all practiced. It's all, yeah. 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 That's crazy. Um, that's actually a really good interlude into our drum topic because, um, you know, you're obviously used to a very high level of, uh, performing in the music industry, in the metal, uh, music industry to be specific. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you go into a show fully prepared, um, you know, what's going to come at you, uh, for the most part, you know, how your kit's going to be set up, you know, how, uh, the click's going to (laughs) work, you know, that you're, you can rely on your band and and how they're going to perform on stage with you. Um, so we've gone over a lot of things in the past couple years and I just felt like it was time to do a little overview of some of the yeah. more important things that every drummer should focus on, you know, regardless of what style you play. Um, so I'm going to throw a bunch of things out there. We've gone over most of these, if not all of them already in the past. So if you really want a deep dive, um, go check out one of our earlier episodes and, and find the topic you're looking for. But uh, we're just going to go through some of these quickly and, and kind of list out some uh, important pieces that uh, you as a drummer um, mm-hmm. should know, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what style you play. So yep. um, my list was relatively short, actually, <laughs> um, in comparison <laughs> to all of the things that we've talked about. I just kind of tried to um, compile a list that was very straight and to the point and things that... Um, if you don't know this, you might be in trouble <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> going into any situation. Um, so I had uh, timing, um, and we can go a little bit deeper into these, but I had timing, groove, uh, fills and transitions, uh, learning to play to a click, tuning your drums, rudiments, um, and there's really a few specific rudiments that I think are important here, um, mm-hmm. and consistency and stamina, and those were like the main grouping of things that I feel like every drummer should just know um, mm-hmm. just to be able to perform at a at a mediocre level, I would yeah. say. Um, and then additionally, I, I had a couple things in here that we've talked about on the podcast that um, play a, a big role in our development as drummers and in our process, again, not necessarily specific to style. So I had posture and kit placement, and then I also had practice. Mm-hmm. how you practice, where you practice, um, and some techniques around that. So that's to preface the topic. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you, Matt, um, yeah. and feel free to, uh, you know, we can just start talking about those in any order you like, however you feel mm-hmm. is, is most important. Can you, lay, can you lay out that list again? Yeah, sure. So timing, groove, fills and transitions, learning to play to a click, tuning your drum set, rudiments, consistency, and stamina, and then additionally, posture and kit placement and practice. Mm-hmm. One more time. Okay. <laughs> Timing, groove, fills and transitions, learning to play to a click, tuning your drums, rudiments, consistency and stamina, posture and kit placement, and practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you could see this on my brain right now, 
I'm uh, I'm trying to go back to 2001, 2002, 2003, four, and 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 what I'm seeing right now is myself in my basement. I'm seeing two different pictures. One is I'm seeing myself in my parents' basement with my Pearl Export, <laughs> chrome <laughs> chrome wrapped Pearl Export, um, single pedal. And I'm picturing myself playing everything hi hat, kick, and snare. Like I I didn't. I was scared to go this way around my kit. Yeah. And go over to this side. It was like mm-hmm. left, comfortable, right, question mark. Yeah. Um, so there's that scene, and that's before ABR. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to I'm in the barn in the in the egg room with my Mapex M series, double bass pedal, and I'm working on seventh trumpet, which is a song on Thrill Seeker. Um <sighs> And I think the common denominator between the two, it's really weird, actually, when I think about it, because rudiments, mm-mm, didn't even know what they were. Yeah. Well, you didn't know what rudiments were, but you were probably playing some rudiments. I was. You just didn't know. I was, know. But, I, but I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm, gonna, I'm going to add one to this. Yeah, please. Conversation. Um. A inspiration. I'm gonna add the word inspiration, and who I see when I say inspiration is my friend Joe Walmer. Okay. So if if you have someone in your life as a drummer, especially early on, who is someone you look up to, and they are giving you this sense of, um, they're instilling in you the knowledge. But they're also showing you that, hey, it's good to be excited about this instrument. It's good mm-hmm. to be excited about this thing that you love. Right. Like they're affirming you in that passion. And they are as hardworking or more than you are. They practice you know, as hard or more than you do. That for me was, that person for me was Joe Walmer. And so here's why that was important to me. I would be sitting at home practicing because in my head, Joe Walmer was probably practicing. Mm-hmm. And Joe Walmer was playing at a level that I just dreamed about being at. Right. I didn't know exactly what he was playing. I didn't know how to tune drums like him. I didn't know how to get the posture he had. Like all these other topics that we've talked about and we've, you know, we've, we've ran scenarios for. And it's, 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 the, it's the inspiration thing for me that mm-hmm. has kept me... Um, attached and performing and practicing. So yes, practice is good, but underneath of practice is the reason why all of this other stuff matters. Yeah. Joe Walmer was the reason why. And mm. I, I think that, you know, as I talk to drummers about this, if you're listening to this and you're wondering like, what is important that I have as a drummer in order to be proficient and successful or at the very least just enjoy it, Mm-hmm. It's you need to know why you're doing this. Yeah. And for me, the reason why was someone inspired me, continually inspired me to chase this thing that they loved. And they said to me, you love it too. You should chase it. You should mm-hmm. give it everything. And you're welcome to come over every Sunday and watch me practice during my band practice. And then afterwards, let's talk. Let's hang yeah. out. Like, I'm going to give you coffee. And we're going to sit and we're going to work on a practice pad. Or or yeah. we're going to watch Meshuggah videos. 
or I'll show you how to tune your drums like mine. Like all of those other things were really cool, but underneath of it was like, yeah, the why it's, it's for me, it's the why. Yeah. For me, it's the why. So true to form in Holy Ghost Notes fashion, I listed a bunch of technical drum things <laughs> and you brought it back to mental. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but it's so, stand it, up and leave. That, that no. was an incredible point because it all starts there, right? <laughs> You're it's, exactly it's, right. It's, it makes so much sense. Every single thing that I listed is rooted <laughs> in some kind of mental reasoning for why you why you would do it. The thing that but, matters is practice. And I'm yeah. like over here, like, well, actually, it's the why. You need <laughs> to know why are you playing drums. It's like yeah. how philosophical. But I'm serious about this. Like yeah. I. If you're a really pragmatic person, you're just you're just annoyed that I can't mm-hmm. just identify a simple drum concept. But <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this for 20 years and I've seen I've seen evidence that there are people who are really militant in their practice and they'll burn out. Mm-hmm. There are other people who are really good at rudiments and they don't have groove. There are people mm-hmm. that are really good at groove but they don't practice. And yeah. it's like what is the bridge between all of those? It's 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 the reason underneath of everything else. For me, it's it's like what is the you know, what is the driving force for this? Yeah, right. For all of right. this. Yeah. And I think even deeper than that, within that why you can identify what is a good reason that's not gonna fail you down the road, you know? If you if mm. you just want to be a good drummer to impress a girl that you like in middle school there's a good chance that like once you're in college that re- that why is going to be for not you know it's not really going to be driving <laughs> yeah. you anymore and you might have picked up a different why along the way like i really love this or the feeling playing on stage is you know nothing compares to that you know mm-hmm. there might be other things that you pick up but it is really good to identify that regardless of what you're doing at every single step because i think my why has actually changed and evolved over time uh-huh. you know there's um you know you 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 mentioned a name the only name i can think of um as far as someone who really inspired me to play is just um this guy who played at my church his name's gary schwanke i don't even know how good he was at drums at the time i just knew that i loved drumming i was always mm. glued to the drummer and he was up there um you know, uh, another guy is Jeff Oberholzer, who I think you've probably mentioned in the past, you know, like there's names that pop up that it's like, all right, these people inspired me mm-hmm. to play. Um, I don't know if they were my why. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. my why ended up being the feeling of playing live mm-hmm. was my why. And like, I also knew the feeling of messing up live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, the driving force was like, I want to be able to play live cause there's nothing like it, but I don't want to mess up live because there's nothing like that either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, true. that's not a good feeling. Um, <laughs> so whatever your whatever your why might be, uh, yeah, it's. I think you're exactly right. It's good to to identify that and 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 allow that to be the driving force behind everything else. Yeah, that's the that's the deep philosophical reason for sure. I just <laughs> yeah. thought of a starts um, there of a um, a more surface level one. Um, how teachable are you? Mm-hmm. Are you easy to be around? Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're trying to be in the music industry or in the movie industry, you need to be someone who is looking to make everybody else's life life pretty easy. Yeah. You're looking to not get in the way. 
you're looking to get your job done and not have to ask a lot of questions. That's a right. really important characteristic of mm-hmm. a successful drummer or just a drummer in a band, whether it's a worship right. band or your, you know, garage band. Yep. And many of the drummers that we've had on this podcast, we've had them on the podcast for that reason because right. they're good people. We like being around them. We like talking to them. <laughs> so right. regardless of their talent and skill level, it was it was always about like what can they bring to the table in addition to drums. Even right. though we're talking about drums, it's like that's not it doesn't stop there, you know. True. That's true. Uh some other topics I think that we could talk about a little bit are um playing to a click. Mm-hmm. So the reason I say that I'm trying to bring all this stuff in, like what was the experience like for me? And the reason yeah. I say click, I didn't play to a click track until 2000 and I think it was four. I had been playing drums for three years. Zero click track. Yeah. Like I didn't play to music either. I just played drums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember recording Thrill Seeker with Adam D. His assistant, his name was Wayne. At the time, Oncoming Storm by, by On Earth was a really big album that I loved and they had just recorded it. And Wayne knew this. So he's like, Matt, go in there. I'll play Oncoming Storm through your in-ears and you just play along. And I went in, I sat down and I couldn't do it. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I don't know how to play along with this band. Yeah. And then I remember getting home and trying to play along with like, I think it was like Coldplay or something, a lot more simplistic. And mm-hmm. I couldn't do that either. Mm. And I was like, this is really weird. I can play technical metalcore, but I can't play along with music. That's obviously mm. been recorded to a click track. Yeah. So the reason I think it's important early on is, you know, you won't get into a frustrating situation like I was in where, like, I had to go back and figure out how to listen. Mm-hmm. Instead of playing by, you know, playing with my head, like I'm thinking of the drum beat, I'm going to play it. I had to play with my ears. I had to learn yeah. how to do that. Mm-hmm. And obviously playing to a click is one of the most important things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nowadays it wasn't like that yeah. 30 years ago, but it's definitely, it's definitely changed. And I think some of you might be like, well, my band is never going to play to a click live where you know, we've got this flow and this groove. And I feel like, you know, putting a click behind it disrupts the flow. I have friends who are musicians who feel that way. Yeah. Regardless of that, if you ever want to record, you have yeah. to play to a click. Like, it's yeah. just like, it's not going to sound good. <laughs> it's not going to sound professional. It's not going to match up to everything else that you hear out there unless you're playing to a click. Additionally, even if you don't play to a click live, I think it's tremendous to practice to a click. Hmm. And, and here's a really good um, uh, practical thing you can do in your practice, and that's yeah. slow the click down to like 30 BPM, really, really slow. Um, if you have the ability to actually program the click, program it for like four measures and then two measures off, where the click just stops all all together mm. and then four measures on. Try to play really slow with that 30 BPM 4-4 four, four click and then try to keep playing when that click turns off for two measures. See if you can actually line up when that click comes back in. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> to this day, I still struggle to actually have the timing to play to a click you know you're starting yeah. to hear some of these words to start to filter back in because they all <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of uh play yeah. off each other um 
but uh, that that's a really good way to, to practice, Sam, I think, to a click. I, I have a great story about this. Okay. I've never done that. That sounds hard, it's but really I have hard. done this. <laughs> I've filmed courses for my website, and I have an iPad next to me with a metronome on it. Mm-hmm. So obviously when you're demonstrating something, you got to take it slow. Yeah. Like it's got to be slow. So I, I had it at like 50 or 55, and I push play. And the way it has to work for a video is I want the the video and audio to only hear when I first come in. Mm-hmm. So click tracks go on. It's like beep, 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 beep. It's recording. I'm sitting here. <laughs> and it's like beep, two, three, four. And that first hit has to be good with the click. Like you can't mm-hmm. flam that. I mean, right. maybe you can get away with some other ones. Dude, there are so many takes of me guessing the space between four and one. The space, like, man. No plane. That's crazy. Two, three, four. And it's just like, dude, I suck. Like, And then once I'm in, I have it. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I feel really good and I can play tight. But it's when I'm... So I'll, I'll propose another challenge. Don't play at all. Listen to the click and then try to come in on the one. When yeah. it's that slow, because that is so <laughs> it's brutal, hard. It is brutal, and I think if you're able to record yourself, like you and I are fortunate enough to be able to do that, record yeah. and listen back. True. That playback is really important because you can actually identify if you're ahead of the click. You know, if you tend to speed up, or if you tend to slow down and, and get behind the click. So um, that was really eye-opening for me. I am yeah. constantly pushing the click. Like I am yeah. always a little bit ahead. Um, when in, in reality, in a recording setting, it's actually better to play a little slower mm-hmm. because, um, it's much easier for uh, an engineer to clean that up in post. If you're a little slower, it's harder to, to draw out s- sound. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot easier to compress sound. Right. Um, so, uh, so that's something I've, I've been working on for, uh, a, a very long time. <laughs> haven't haven't perfected it by any means. Yeah, that's nor that's good ever, advice. But, uh, um, I would yeah. also touch on practice. I think uh, you know, obviously, practice yeah. is a big one. How you practice and what you practice. We talked about this mm-hmm. before, but um, I have a technique that's called smile suck shred, um, mm-hmm. and it's a, just a practice, you know, practice technique. But yep. the the reason for this was I found that I was sitting down and I was playing something I couldn't play. And it wasn't fun, obviously. And then I would finish with something I couldn't play. And I found myself not wanting to practice. And I thought to myself, well, why is that? The reason was I wasn't ever having fun. I was always challenging myself with something that was impossible for me at the time. If I was having fun, it was somewhere in the middle. However, I realized I needed to start by smiling, literally smiling, like sitting Mm -hmm. down and just like, like just, you know, why do we play drums? It feels good. It's fun, you know, and you're able to play this beat that feels good and is fun. Like we forgot about that. We always want to push the boundaries and push the threshold. So you start with the smile and then you work your way into the suck, which is like, you can't play that, but you don't start with that. (laughs) Yeah, and actually, like you don't end with it either. Mm-hmm. You end with shred, which is something yeah. that you did suck at at one time. And you've graduated into like, oh, I can play this. And it's really hard sounding. Or maybe it is actually really hard. And it's impressive. Mm-hmm. And that's where you pull your phone out and you take a video. 
yeah. put it on Instagram and it makes you feel good. Like that's a dopamine right. dump. Mm-hmm. That That is like a tangible, you know, reward for your work. Yeah. And so once I started doing this, I started practicing more. I started teaching this to my students and my students started practicing more. I started teaching this at clinics and people would remember Smile Suck Shred. Um, and I realized that it wasn't just me that that resonated with this idea of like, you should start with something that's fun. Um, it was, you know, it was everybody. So, mm-hmm. no, well, maybe not everybody, but it was a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, practice is huge. And I think just to... to um, get the full picture of practice we've talked about um you know like last episode i think you talked about just how you like your practice space clean and organized Mm -hmm. and that for you helps you be able to and it all comes back to this mental reason why but uh you know when your space is organized and clean that allows you to in your head when you're playing keep things organized and clean and you're not yeah, you don't. You feel like everything else is clean around me, organized. I need. I can't play sloppy. I, you know. Yeah. And so, um, and that's a that's a technique that that you've uh, you know off, uh, found helpful to you. For yeah. me, it's like finding a place where I know I'm not going to disturb anybody. Me too. I find like if Same. I if I am hesitant that like someone in the room next to me is going to be real pissed off that I'm playing drums, I won't play good. I'll uh-uh. play real soft Same. and I'll be thinking about that the whole time. So like <laughs> practice, you know, f- pr- your practice space, how it's set up, where where you're practicing, uh, even the kit you're practicing on. We always talk about how like you don't need an incredible drum set, mm-hmm. and a, an expensive, beautiful looking drum set to be a good drummer. But it certainly helps to inspire you if the drum set you're playing on is something that you love to play on, something that right. when you look at it, you're like, oh, that is, that is beautiful. I'm proud of this thing. True. Um, and so that plays into practice as well, because that's often what gets me on the kid. If I was still playing my Rockwood by Honer that I had when I was, you know, 12, <laughs> I probably would have stopped playing drums because the thing sounded like crap. And, yeah. you know, and so <laughs> there, there you go. Um, <laughs> but now I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But This yeah, next episode practice... <laughs> sponsored by Honer Drums. Honer, yeah. Yeah, they probably won't reach out now. Uh, I think they specialize in harmonicas, though, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I guess to, to breeze through some of the other things, because I want to give us some time for our, uh, our faith topic today, but uh, timing is obviously important. Timing is, is everything as a drummer. If you can't keep time, uh, you can't really play drums. Let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. In most cases, uh, when you're in a recording, set, uh, recording setting, the drums come first. The drums kind of anchor the entire band, yeah. and that's often the case for live as well. Um, yeah. I can always tell when I go to a show and the drummer is not the person that is anchoring the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if the drummer's just playing along, it never sounds good. So mm-hmm. having a sense of time, understanding timing is important no matter what level you're playing at, no matter uh, what style you're playing, even if every single song you play is in 4-4, then you have to know that 4-4 time. You have to have that down. Yeah, and I think to that point, I think your hi-hat foot has a lot to do with this. Mm. So the first time I saw Mike Johnston playing um, something like this, I noticed he was keeping like 16th notes with his left foot. This goes way back further than that to a band called Elliot. Do you remember the band Elliot? 
I've heard of them. I don't. I can't say I would know a, a name of their song. Or okay. Anything now. Yeah. yeah, that was a similar time to when you and I were uh, starting Brick by Brick. But well, maybe right okay. before that. But they were a pretty big indie band, and the drummer mm. would just like like left foot at all times. Wow. And so his right foot's like boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom, boom. And and I thought about it as he was playing. I'm like, that guy has really good time. I just like you just know it makes sense that he does because he's like a Pro Tools grid with his left foot, and he's right. just he's just telling that grid where to put a kick in or where to put a snare. But that's his guide. Yeah, and that was uh that that was a big motivator for me to like start implementing my left foot on hi hat right. just to keep time, and mm. it and it was also a big awakening in that like hold on a second this is really hard. Yeah, I'm not good at this. Right. Yeah, I struggle with that too. Mostly, like, if I'm playing some some off time thing on top of it, I find that my left foot just stops, like involuntarily stops. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be keeping time, and then all of a sudden it just stops for a second, and then comes back in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so working through that is really it's it's hard. I I think but. I I want to I want to wrap this by by saying this, and I think you know if this turns out well, you can use this as a clip to mm. promote this part, but um motivation what motivates you and i just think of like a crime scene right like what was the motive for what happened Mm -hmm. you know what happened is important and how it was executed is important to the case Mm -hmm. but the motivation actually tells you more about how it was done how it was executed the background the history and what it was going to be used for and i think we can we can extrapolate from that that metaphor as lousy as it might be to say like, where are you headed as a drummer? Mm-hmm. Where are you coming from as a drummer? What are you working on as a drummer? Where are you good and where are you not so good? I think it really boils down to your motive, to your motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my motive, my motivation was always to be a metal drummer. So what did I practice? Blast beats, double bass, independence, hitting hard, stamina, conditioning, right? Because it's mm-hmm. it's all important to what my motivation is as a drummer. Right. Yep. And so I think a good thing to do, if you're listening to this and you're like, huh, I want to figure out how to get better. All of these seem like they're important. Um, how do I focus my time and energy? I would say just pull out a piece of paper and write down five things that motivate you. Like where is your focus? Where is your passion? What is your motivation for playing drums in the first place? And I think... You can look at those, you know, top three, top two things, and you can say, well, actually, it makes sense that those are true because I'm good in those areas and I'm not so good in other areas that don't yeah. help that part. Very true. Um, yeah. So I, I hope that's that's helpful to you listeners, uh, to, to those of you that are listening. And, you know, everything's important with drumming. Something's much more important than others. For me, mm-hmm. it really boils down to why. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great, uh, summary, (laughs) I think, uh, (laughs) keeping all of everything that we've said in mind at all, you know, it's all important, but, uh, but yeah, identify what's important to you and then learn how each of these pieces, timing, groove, fills, playing to a click, tuning, rudiments, consistency, stamina, you know, posture, if that's a thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> learn how all of that fits into what you want to accomplish at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, cause you're going to end up learning those things. Even Matt didn't know he knew 
rudiments. Yeah. <laughs> when he was playing these rudiments, um, and their standard things is is I mean a rudiment is a single stroke. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. one, double stroke. two, one, two, double stroke, mm-hmm. one, one, two, two, one, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, these things are, are, are natural things that you're going to pick up and you're going to realize that they're foundation, uh, they're fin- foundational things just to playing drums. Um, but figure out how mm-hmm. you can utilize these tools. If, if, if everything we said, this list that we broke down was your toolbox, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, now what am I going to go fix or mm-hmm. what am I going to go build? Um, mm-hmm. That's, That's a good the next point. Step. So, That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Good stuff. Thanks for good the uh, thanks for the drum topic, man. That was really good. Yeah. It was fun. Let's uh, change gears here and hop into the faith topic. Intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this topic was brought to my attention, and like Matt said, it's not something I would necessarily think about talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's something that I've experienced, and and you know. When I when I was having this conversation with Nick and, and uh, some of the other inner circle members, um, I realized that everyone experiences this to an extent, yeah. and and so I think it especially applies to and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I think that it especially applies to creative people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about how our brains work, um, and and uh, like so intrusive thoughts just to explain what this means if some of you are are thinking what what is that what is intrusive thoughts um intrusive thoughts are are the are the thoughts that you have that sometimes come out of nowhere and are disheartening to you or um discouraging um often like um people who are suicidal um get to the point where they actually commit suicide because of these thoughts Mm. they're the thoughts that are trying to convince you that you're not good enough, that no one loves you, that you have no purpose in the world. Um, and these are thoughts that just come. And there's a, there's a lot of different theories as to where these come from. Um, and we're going to kind of take this topic from a few different angles. Hmm. Um, as, a, as a Christian, I've always felt or believed that this was the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, it talks in the Bible about um, how the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It talks about how he's the deceiver. Um, and um, a really good example, and we've talked about this before as well, is the, the book The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's literally following um, a, a, a young demon who is writing letters or reading letters from his uncle. <laughs> and they're going back and forth and talking about tactics on how to... Uh, discourage and dissuade their human, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, you know, when I was reading it, it was it was re- I related to it because I was like, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, I've heard like that. I've heard that phrase in my head that came out of nowhere. No one told me that I was worthless, valuable. No one told me that um, I'm a total screw up. Mm-hmm. It just appeared in there. Hmm. And so as a Christian, and I want to take this from a few different angles, as I said, but as a Christian, I, I always just was like, okay, I just need to identify these thoughts as what they are, and it's the enemy. He's trying to steal from me. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to destroy me. Mm-hmm. He's a deceiver. You know, as soon as I start believing these things, I am deceived. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, how many times have I <laughs> latched on to the, that phrase you know, no one loves me. 
Uh, I'm a total screw up. <laughs> I have no worth. I have no value. Um, I mean, these are things that I experience sometimes on a daily basis, these phrases, these feelings. Um, for me, it's always the, um, the phrase that like, no matter how hard I try, it's never going to be enough. So why even try? Mm-hmm. Like that's been like my phrase recently has been like almost like driving me to apathy. Mm-hmm. Like why even try anymore? It's never going to be enough. It's mm-hmm. not. And mm-hmm. and so this is so not true. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I went through total, a phase like that too. Total bullshit. But, but when I hear it, I believe it. Yeah. And, and so that is what an intrusive thought is. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've experienced this before. Um, and so I want to give Matt a chance to uh, to talk a little bit about his experience with this. Um, but we also have some some ways of potentially dealing with this or identifying thing, uh, identifying certain things in your life that might be uh, contributing to this mm-hmm. in a practical, non-spiritual <laughs> way. Do you, so, yeah. just a question back at you, Tim, do you think that the way that you were taught the... Um, the way that you were raised, do you feel like the way that you were raised gave you a good outlook and plan, strategy, if you will, when it comes to how to counter intrusive thoughts? Because in, in, the, in the Christian world that I was raised in, it was often, uh, there was a principle that was, if you think something that you don't feel like is, is true, or is not of God, you rebuke it, you speak against mm-hmm. it, you condemn yeah. it. What what has your perspective been like recently, and has it changed in comparison yeah. with how you were raised? That's a really good question. Um, I'm hesitant to say that anything <laughs> my parents taught me was wrong, although I know that certain things that they, they might have taught me might have led me to believe certain things, and it might not have been intentional on their part. Um, I, I would say... I think I was set up in, in, in the same way where you're taught to rebuke things. Um, take thoughts, take your thoughts captive was mm-hmm. always like the phrasing that I heard. Yeah. Um, you know, so the amount of times I've said, you know, I rebuke you in Jesus name, I, yeah. I can't count, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, cause there is, you know, there's power in, in words and, and, but I think, I, I don't know. For me, I, I feel like it's almost like a 50-50 thing. I, I feel like I was prepared in a way to identify certain things and, and think, you know, see it as a certain thing, like, like the enemy, like, like a demon whispering into my ear. But in the same time, um, religion did a real number on me mm-hmm. because of how it was set up. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily portrayed to me. Like my parents showed me love. They showed mm-hmm. me who Jesus was. And, and because of their example, um, that helped a lot in, in me learning who Jesus was and learning mm-hmm. to love God. Um, but I also think that religion played the opposite <laughs> in mm-hmm. that it, it was really uh, holding me captive in a lot of ways. Like there wasn't the freedom that the Bible talks about. It was It was very much you know, upright and strict and, you know, and, and some of that was, you know, for the, for the good, we, we talk about a lot, this a lot on the podcast where it's like, you know, you, you have the commandments here, you have the law. God said it was good. God gave us the law. Um, but Jesus came and actually abolished mm-hmm. <laughs> the law. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that 
uh, the law is bad. Mm-hmm. It just means that when we commit, when we inevitably commit one of these sins or or break the law, we're not condemned. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, there's this sense of freedom where it's a sigh of relief. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to. I'm not held to this. But at the same time, these laws were put here to help us. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before too. It's you know, as you get to know love, you start to love the things that love created. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, you know, so it's it's all a matter of perspective, really. It's it's I'm not held to these laws. Mm-hmm. I'm following these because I want to, because these are for my benefit, and I recognize that, as mm-hmm. opposed to the alternative, which is, you know, I'm I'm in prison. I'm imprisoned mm. by these these laws, mm-hmm. you know, and I think uh, that perspective has definitely shifted since I was a kid because it was not that way for the longest time. It was it was actually I was judge I was very judgmental of other people because I was so judgmental of myself. Right, that's exactly right. Okay, so that's what I thought you were going to say, and um, and I I would tend to agree with you. In my own yeah. life, my life looks you know very similar, but I want to I want to just. I want to move to a, in a different direction. I just feel like I feel led to move in this other direction just for a bit. So bear with me. Yeah, let's do so it. So I, I was at church Sunday and um, I had this um, vision. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to call it a vision. And it, it, this has not happened to me often. What I, what I saw was a tank. And in the tank was me. I was in an armored tank. So picture the movie Fury or a tank movie where you can picture this um, war zone mm-hmm. and this this tank is the ultimate fortress. Like there is never there has never been a safer place than inside of this tank. Outside of this tank are missiles and bombs and everything else. Just a kill zone. Yeah. And I thought to myself inside the tank I thought is this tank going to protect me? Is the metal and the steel on this tank going to protect me? And um, I, f- I felt like God was telling me, can you put your faith in the tank? And I, I was sitting there and I'm like, I don't know. I haven't been hit. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know if I, like, it, it could be made of cardboard for all I know. Yeah. It might, it might just, it might just, you know, obliterate. And, um, and I, I had this thought and I started moving in and I got hit and I, I looked around and I was still there and I got hit again and I was still there and it, it hurts to get hit. Like you're, you're banged around in there, but you're, you're fine, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to make it. And I remember, you know, the, the tank survived and, and we retreated and we went back and we parked or I parked and I was sitting there in the tank and I felt like God talked to me again and he said, can you put your faith in the tank? I said, yeah. I think my, um, hold on a second. My headphones are dying. Ah. Oh, well, the one's still working. Okay. Can I put my faith in the AirPods? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. The perfect segue. <laughs> the battery is going to die. can you put your trust in the airpod so i'm sitting there in the tank and i said yes i can and he said you can like he asked me like why you can and i said i can i know i can and he said 
he said, because you've been hit. Mm. Like he said to me, because you've been hit. And I had this, I had this conversation with God about all of this. And I was in a tank and I, I was going back and forth and all of a sudden, do you know, like when you, you have an epiphany about something spiritual or something deep, it's just like, how I never realized that before. Yeah. Like we can't, we can't put our faith in something unless that thing is to be trusted and that thing has been tested. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the testing hurts, but yeah. after the testing and the bumps and the pain, you actually have faith in that thing. And I, and my next thought was of like these big wig, a lister, you know, um, first name basis, like celebrities who have fallen from grace, mm-hmm. right? Like your Carl Lenses and your Robbie's. And I thought to myself, why? And it clicked. It's like, well, if you're, if you're not used to being hit, you no longer have faith in the steel and the metal of that tank. You're not going to put your trust in that. You're going to put your faith and your trust in something that's giving something to you. Yeah. That's rewarding you. That, that, that feels good because you're not being assaulted. You've, you've lost the perspective of the battlefield. And so as you're talking about this, I just picture a battlefield the battlefield of the mind. Mm-hmm. And my my thinking is that if if you're if you trust and you have faith in the tank that you're in to protect you from the enemy, then you're you're going to be fine. Like it's going to hurt a little bit to have that thought. It's going to sting a little bit when someone says something to you. But you believe in what God says about you. You mm-hmm. believe that God says that you are a son of his and that you're loved and that you're accepted. And when you stop believing that, you start believing other things. You start believing that other people have the right and the power to label you and say that you are or are not a certain thing. Yeah. Right? So my my thinking on this is we need we need the battlefield. We need the pushback. We need the, we need the, um, the opposition because it teaches us and it tells us that we can have faith in the armor that God has given us. Mm-hmm. We can have faith that he is who he says he is and we are sons and daughters and that he yeah. gave us salvation because he loves us. And I, I really yeah. do think the second that we lose that, that opposition and that kickback and that pain, you know, a little bit of pain, a little bit of pulling and probing. Um, we just sort of float along. And I, I, I think, I think we get into some trouble at that point. Yeah. I think we mm-hmm. get into some trouble. It might feel smooth. It might feel easy. It might feel peaceful, but we're going to put our, our faith and our hope in something that doesn't deserve it. It's, it's, it's right. a piece of cardboard. It's not a piece of steel. That's right. That's really good. It reminds me actually a little bit of what um, we had talked about like back in episode one yeah. when we talked about pain and how to embrace that pain. Um, it's it's really similar because I, you know, as I've said, think back to the darkest time of my life and it only made me trust God more. Mm-hmm. I had to be hit <laughs> and mm-hmm. hit hard to gain that trust. And like we talk about you know, Christianity being this relationship with God and you can't have a relationship with someone if you don't trust them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so it's all in 
building this relationship and, and growing in a deeper way as people. And, and as we go through things, we gain experience. That's why it's like, like nowadays, if I hi- I'm, I'm hiring someone not based on their college resume, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at their experience. Yeah. When have you done this before? Mm-hmm. How have you overcome these challenges? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if, if you haven't gone through anything and you haven't done this, then yeah. why would I hire you? Yeah, why, why would, would I, I put trust you in you? this role? You know, so like, and that's that's how we get you know promoted. Like, not to take a whole like business aspect or approach to this, but that's how we get promoted, right? Yeah. You get you gain experience and you get good at things and mm-hmm. you prove your worth, and then you get promoted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Same with life. Same with Christianity. Like, as we go through these things and you know um, we get refined through the fire, you know it's uh, it's a cheesy way of looking at it, but it's so true. It's you know what what is going to get us there. Yeah. So, so on the topic of intrusive thoughts, just to wrap this up, I guess, because I know you have uh, a time limit here. I think <laughs> I think we should. Um, um, I, I feel I feel led to. Um, I feel like we I feel like we should pray. I feel like we should pray in ending this one because I I just keep I like getting that. the feeling that um, it this is such a complex issue, and yet in Jesus's eyes, it's it's very simple, and it's simple mm-hmm. because what he says is just give it to him. Yeah. Just give it, just give it to Jesus. Yeah. Just give it up. Um, you know, obviously Tim and I don't, don't have the answers. We don't know the full stories. We don't know the thoughts you're having. We obviously have battles of our own that we're working through. The one thing mm-hmm. we do know is that God can be trusted. And the, the more you get to know him, the more you get to trust him, the more you get to trust him, the more you get to know him. And so That's a relationship right. with him is something that gives us grounds to be able to pray about it. Uh, so Tim, do you, do you mind wrapping this up with a, a prayer? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, God, I just lift up anyone who's listening to this right now and, uh, has experienced intrusive thoughts or is even right now experiencing intrusive thoughts. And I just lift them up to you. I thank you for your love for them. I thank you for, uh, the peace that you have, that you're holding out to them. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, pray that they, find the strength and the ability uh, to take that peace um, and to, to take hold of the love that you have sitting there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thank you for who you are and for the revelation um, that you allow us to encounter as Matt has this past Sunday. I just, mm-hmm. I thank you for, uh, for opening our eyes little by little to the amazing things that you have for us right here on this earth for the little bits of heaven that we get to experience. And I just, uh, I just pray, I thank you for everyone listening. And I thank you for, um, the platform that you've given us here, uh, with Holy Ghost Notes. And I just, uh, pray for peace and encouragement and, um, and love for, uh, for everyone listening, Mm -hmm. um, but especially those who, uh, might be in a rough spot right now, experiencing pain, um, questioning their worth or their value. And just pray for an extra special blessing on those people right now. Hmm. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, thank you. So in wrapping up, uh, I've got a minute to do this. So <laughs> uh, if you like what you, you heard here, um, we, we do have a Patreon. Uh, we don't do any ads on this podcast. We keep it ad-free. So um, our Patreon supporters uh, keep us going. It's patreon.com slash holyghostnotes. We have a few new... Uh, Supporters here, I'm going to give shout-outs to you real quick. Miles McNeil, Todd J, 
and Chris Kelly. Thank you guys nice. so much for your support, and uh, thank you for uh, for uh, backing us up. Yeah, thank you guys. Welcome to the inner circle. That is really, so, um, really cool. We really appreciate the yeah, support. Love it. As Tim said, we don't do ads on here, and uh, we do some good with the money that um, that we get from from Patreon. So we really appreciate right. the support, and we hope you like this podcast as much as we enjoy having it. Yeah. And if you guys have any thoughts, questions, even prayer requests based on what we've talked about today, hit us up, Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com or uh, on Instagram, shoot us a DM, um, and we'd love to hear from you. So that's it. Thank you all for listening. Love you and guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Good job, Tim. <laughs> you too, man. <laughs>